Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And I want to encourage you to check out our other podcast, and I'm highlighting our newest effort, the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon. You can go to snackwagon.net. And with the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon, each week we bring you a short snack-sized bit of old-time radio. It can be a short-form program, or it can be a self-contained excerpt of a longer show. And really, this is a program that was born of my desire to share some of the really neat little gems out there. And we've included programs that have famous stars like Jimmy Stewart and W.C. Fields, as well as those that A lot more obscure, like, do you know Maine? And it's just a nice short piece of entertainment. You can play it on a quick drive or while doing your dishes. Uh, Just, you know, if you don't have a lot of dishes, I guess. Check it out at snackwagon.net. Well, we're going to get into this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar cereal. Now, as always, if you would rather listen to all five episodes of the cereal together, then you can... Pause the podcast now, and then come back on Friday when all five episodes are available. But now, um, July 16th and 17th, 1956, here is The Star of Cape Town Manor, Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Joe McNabb, Johnny. Try Eastern Indemnity. Oh, hi, Joe. What's up? The Star of Cape Town. Star of Cape Town. Constellation, celebrity, or ship? Wrong three times. The Star of Cape Town is a diamond about the size of a jumbo olive. Oh, sounds like it'll make a nice ornament for a martini. Except I'm strictly a lemon peel man. Now, this is serious, Johnny. I'd like you to take a look at it. Now, what's so interesting about it, except it's probably worth $100,000? Make it one hundred and fifty. That's what we've insured it for. Oh? Got quite a history to it. Three men we know of have been killed over it in the last 50 years. This stone I'd like to see. Where is it? Name of the stone, Johnny. Star of Cape... Hey, wait a minute. In Cape Town, South Africa? That's right. Interested? I'll be right over. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-Eastern Indemnity Associates Home Office. Following is an accounting of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Star of Cape Town matter. Expense account item one, $1.50 cab fare from my apartment at the office of Tri-Eastern Indemnity Associates. Joe McNabb was waiting for me. Sit down, Johnny. Thanks. So what about the star of Cape Town? Sounds interesting. You're interested, we're worried. What about? 
Ever hear of Andrew Lanning Forbes III? Forbes, Forbes. Seems to me I've seen his picture in the papers a couple of times. International playboy type, isn't he? That's the one. He owns the star of Cape Town now, inherited the stone after the recent death of his aunt. So? Johnny, like I told you, we've got that diamond insured for 150000 bucks. But Forbes treats it like it was a 10-cent store hunk of costume jewelry. What do you mean? He carts it from place to place wherever he goes. Paris, Rome, the Riviera, you name it, he's been there. And so has the star of Cape Town. Ooh, you mean that this... Oh, he keeps it in hotel safes, stuff like that, but that isn't good enough. We want him to put it in permanent custody somewhere. Yeah, I see your point. But he won't seem to listen to reason. And right now, it's a particularly bad period for us. How come? Forbes seems to be in one of his party-giving moods. He has them every once in a while. About three weeks at a time, a big party every night, wherever he happens to be. Then he quiets down for a month or two. <laughs> Probably resting up. But how, uh, how come he's in Cape Town now? Who knows? Who knows why he goes anywhere he does? Oh, brother, sounds like a real character. Yeah, but what we want you to do is to talk him out of being a character long enough to put that diamond in a safe place and to keep an eye on it until he does. We got a plane reservation for you tonight at midnight. Tonight? Now, just a minute. Now, look, if it's the money you're worried about, don't be. This means a lot to us. We're willing to pay accordingly. Joe, you may not believe this, but I wasn't thinking about the money. Then what? Those three men who got killed over that diamond. You told me about them over the phone. Oh, that. Look, the diamond's 50 years old. Those three killings were 20, 30 years ago. Just the same. Three is always a crowd. And I wouldn't like to see it increase by one. Expense account item 2360, cab fare to my apartment to pack and then to the airport. Where Joe McNabb met me and told me three tired jokes in two minutes in a very subtle attempt to keep my mind off the three dead men as he gently steered me to the plane. Item three, plane fare to Cape Town, South Africa. plane came in over Cape Town in the early afternoon. Off to one side toward the famous Devil's Peak and down below, the bay glittered like... Yeah, it looked like everything was trying to remind me of that diamond. As if I could forget a stone worthy of 150,000 in the lives of three people. Item five, cab fare to the residence of Andrew Lanning Forbes III. He'd rented a mansion on the side of a hill. I was ushered onto a terrace overlooking the city and the bay. Forbes was waiting for me with a drink in his hand. He was a thin-faced, elegant, tired-looking character whose deep tan didn't hide the lines on his face. He could have been anywhere from 35 to 50. May I offer you a drink, Dollar? Well, uh, a little early in the afternoon, isn't it? Oh, is it? I might cool you off. Okay, thanks. Say, it's uh, quite a place you have up here. Uh, it's adequate. <laughs> you seem amused. Well, there must be 15, 16 rooms at least. Roughly, Adequate seems kind of like an understatement. Quite possibly. Here you are. Ah, thanks. Look, Dollar, it was very thoughtful of the insurance company to send you all the way down here, but also it was... Well, uh, wouldn't unnecessary be the word? Well, it depends, Mr. Forbes. <laughs> what do you mean? The company I represent is pretty jittery over that diamond of yours, the Star of Cape Town. Mm -hmm. Would you like to see it? Well, yes, but I think we ought to... Well, here it is. You carry it around in your pocket? Why not? I have no holes in my pockets. Oh, now look, Forbes. But no, no, no. I'm, I'm really not as bad as that dollar. I, I was expecting you, so I thought I'd play a little joke on you. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Forbes, that kind of humor shortens my life. Yeah, well, I suppose it was a bit cruel. Well, there it is. What do you think of it? McNabb said it was the size of a jumbo olive. Looks more like a golf ball to me. Quite vulgar, isn't it? Oh, what a cutting job they did on it. Beautiful. 
Well, there must be a thousand facets. Yeah, all of them glittering, all of them cold, all of them surface. <laughs> Rather like life, don't you think? Um, look, Mr. Forbes, if you don't mind, let's skip the philosophy for a minute and talk about the diamond. Oh, of course. You're still concerned about his safety. Well, perhaps this will reassure you. Will you come with me? Sure. This way. I have a very efficient wall safe in my bedroom. In here. So, you see, I do take precautions. Here we are. There. Are you reassured now? No. Your bedroom opens off the terrace. It'll be too easy for somebody to get at that safe. Very well, Mr. Dollar. After tonight, I shall place the diamond in a bank vault. That's the best news I've had all day. Yes. Tonight's party will be my last for a while. Party? For Agatha. Who's Agatha? Oh, she's my elder sister. She's on a world tour arriving here in Cape Town later this afternoon. I'm going to surprise her. Hey, wait a minute. You came all the way here to Cape Town to throw a surprise party for your sister? Well, I wasn't doing anything else at the moment. <laughs> Why not? Well, I can think of a couple of reasons, but uh, they probably wouldn't sound convincing to you. Probably not. Although they probably would sound convincing to Agatha. Oh? Yeah, she and I are quite different. Half the time she worries about me, and the other, other half the time she disapproves of me. She considers it quite beneath the dignity of the Forbes name for me to go popping around from place to place like this. I see. Uh, she's quite devoted to the cause of the Forbes name. To make sure it keeps standing for, well, whatever it's supposed to stand for. I was never quite sure myself. So you're giving her a surprise party tonight. Will she like the idea? Probably not. That's what makes it fun. Oh, by the way, would you like to come? <laughs> well, under the circumstances, I think I'd better. I, um... I wonder if I could have a guest list. A guest list? Oh, good heavens. You mean you don't have one? Well, of course not. I just invite people here and there and wait to see who turns up. Then you don't have any idea who all's coming? Absolutely not. Donna, that's the only thing that makes these parties worthwhile. Oh, great. A character with a quaint habit of carrying his diamond in his pocket, throwing a party where he didn't know who was coming. This was a situation not calculated to help my peace of mind, believe me. Forbes had his driver take me back to town. I stopped along the way at police headquarters and talked to Lieutenant Van Tyle, who agreed to furnish a man to help me keep an eye on the party. Expense account item six, cab fare back out to Forbes' house that evening for the party. I thought I was getting there early, but there were already quite a few people about. A stocky bartender shoved a drink in my hand as I walked in, and I took a look around. Quite a brawl. Then I spotted a girl with honey-colored hair and a green dress that matched her eyes. Well, it was as good a place to start as any. Hi. Hi. My name's Johnny. I know. Oh? I'm Sheila. You a friend of Forbes? My, you are new around here, aren't you? What do you mean? You'll find me at most of Andy's parties. He arranges my transportation. I see. Do you? What's your excuse for being here in this gay, mad throng? You an old friend, too? Uh, matter of fact, no. I just met him this afternoon, and he invited me to come. That's par for the course. Ah, oh, here you are. Oh, Forbes. I'm glad you two have gotten acquainted. Enjoying yourself, Sheila? Delirious. <laughs> Isn't she wonderful, Johnny? She's always so gracefully bored. You see, Johnny, I perform quite a useful function around here. I'm always good for laughs. Uh, yeah. Well, uh... Is your sister enjoying the party, Forbes? Agatha? Why, of course not. <laughs> haven't you met her yet, John? No, no, I haven't. Oh, she's over by the window. The thin, aristocratic, tired-looking lady. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, that's her look of disdain. She thoroughly disapproves of this whole party and of me, of course. And of me. <laughs> Come along, Johnny. I'd like you to meet Agatha. Oh, oh, you're taking a chance. She'd probably disapprove of me, too. Oh, no, no. You look like the respectable type. Thanks. I guess. She'd thoroughly approve. I... Oh, I, I seem to have another guest arriving. Would you two excuse me? I I'll introduce you to Agatha later, Johnny. Yeah, sure. The perfect host. When he wants to be. Oh. Who's the new arrival? Her name is Helen. Andy met her a day or two ago. Well, I'll say this for her. Yes. Isn't she? <laughs> Sorry. Don't be. I'm used to it. You know something, Sheila? I don't get you. Oh, I'm not so hard to figure out, Johnny. I think you are. You don't like these parties any more than Agatha. Oh, now watch it, Johnny. You start comparing me to her, and she's going to disapprove of you. Okay, but I still don't get it. You don't like the parties or Forbes' other friends, yet you keep... Tagging along. Yeah, I've got a perfect attendance record. Why? Well, I guess there's one obvious reason, but that would sound real corny. Maybe not. So let's just say that after you've been riding the merry-go-round long enough, standing on solid ground doesn't seem normal. Oh. Well, maybe if you keep riding that merry-go-round, you'll grab the brass ring someday. Don't bet on it. Sheila drifted over to the bar, where she sat quietly drinking the rest of the evening. I somehow felt sorry for her. But I knew she'd bought her own ticket to the merry-go-round, at least for the first ride. I looked over at Forbes and started sweating. He was showing the diamond off to the party. But before I could get to him, Agatha did. She must have told him in dignified but firm tones to put the ice on ice. He laughed and took it back to his room, so I relaxed. The party dragged on. Agatha managed to look frigidly pained the rest of the evening, but Forbes was obviously enjoying himself with Helen. They danced and went out on the terrace. Sheila turned her back and concentrated on her drink. Finally, I went over to the bar. Sorry, Johnny. Looks like the bartender's gone home. That's probably a good idea. Good night. She headed carefully for the door and went out. Then I realized I hadn't seen Forbes for 10 or 15 minutes. I went out on the terrace. Nobody in sight. I walked to Forbes' bedroom door. Mr. Forbes? Forbes? No answer. One lamp was lit. Forbes was on the floor. The knife had gone in low under his ribs. He probably hadn't made a sound. Nearby was the case in which he kept the star of Cape Town. It was open and empty. Johnny Dollar. This is Lieutenant Van Tyle of the Cape Town Police, Mr. Dollar. Oh, yeah, Lieutenant. I've been trying to get you. Anything new on the Forbes murder? I'm afraid not. How about the diamond? It's still missing. Oh, so far we're batting zero. Any suspects? Oh, yes, indeed. Who is it? Not it, Mr. Dollar. They. What do you mean, Lieutenant? How many guests would you say were at Andrew Forbes' party last evening? Oh, uh, 60. Then we have 60 suspects. Oh, great. <laughs> From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Cape Town, South Africa, to the Home Office Tri-Eastern Indemnity Associates. Assignment, the star of Cape Town matter. Expense account continued. <laughs> <laughs> 
Item seven, cab fare from my hotel to police headquarters. So far in this job, I'd been a big, brilliant nothing. I figured Lieutenant Van Tyle of the Cape Town Police might be able to supply a few answers. But as it turned out, all he had on his mind was questions. Now, Mr. Dollar, suppose you sit down and explain your connection with this affair. Sure, Lieutenant. I can make it short, if not sweet. Andrew Forbes was an international playboy. I am well aware of that. Cape Town has entertained Mr. Forbes before, or vice versa. Well, then you probably also know that he recently inherited a very large diamond known as the Star of Cape Town. Yes. The company I represent was carrying the insurance on that stone, $150,000. They didn't like the way Forbes was flashing it around. They thought he was a bit too careless with it. I was trying to talk him into using a little common sense. And that is why you came here to Cape Town. Yeah, but it looks like I've struck out. Struck Forbes out. is dead and the diamond's gone. You were at the party from some time before Forbes' murder until afterwards, hmm? That's right. You stayed in the main room the entire time? Well, yeah. Oh, now look, Lieutenant, I'd hardly fly all the way here to bump off a guy Just if that's... questions, Mr. Dollar, just questions. Yeah, but what I need right now is answers. As do I. These other guests at Forbes' party, did you know any of them? No. Well, I met a girlfriend of his named Sheila... And a couple other people were pointed out to me. Who were they? Oh, Forbes' older sister, Agatha, for one. A real aristocratic type. You can cross her off your list. Oh? Yeah, she disapproved of Forbes, all right, but not to the extent of sticking a knife in him, I'm pretty sure. It would have been beneath her dignity, if nothing else. Besides, she didn't leave the main room during the party, either. Then there was Helen. Helen who? Well, I never did find out her last name. She arrived at the party late, and Forbes seemed to zero in on her right away. Zero in? I mean, he spent the rest of the evening with her. They danced for a while, then they went out on the terrace and... Come to think of it, I never did see her come back inside. And I didn't see Forbes again either until I went to his room and found him dead. I see. We shall try to find this Helen. Can you describe her? Well, I didn't get nearly as close a look as I'd have liked to. Oh? Yeah, from what I could see, a real doll, Lieutenant. Dark hair, turn-up nose, fine complexion. Uh, Mr. Dollar, we need an objective description, not an appreciation. <laughs> well, at the time, I was more interested in her as a prospect than a suspect. I see. And you say you knew none of the other guests? That's right. We've been unable to find any sort of guest list. Oh, don't waste your time looking. There isn't any. No? Yeah, Forbes explained that he had a charming habit of inviting whoever he ran into... He said that half of the fun was in seeing who turned up. Well, that rather complicates matters, doesn't it? It sure does. Mr. Dollar, diamond thefts are not unknown to us here in Cape Town. No, I imagine not. Here are some photos of known jewel thieves. Hmm, mugshots, huh? Please see if you recognize any of these people as having been at the party. Well, it'd be a little hard to remember. You know, people were drifting in and out all evening, and it was... Wait a minute. Who's this guy? That is Julio Biak, a jewel thief. Do you recognize him? Starkey guy. Yeah, sort of looks familiar, but I can't seem to place him. Could he have been at the party? Oh, it's possible, but I can't be sure. Perhaps it will come to you later. I hope something comes to me sooner or later. That diamond, for instance. But at this point, I had to admit it didn't look very likely. One murder, 60 suspects. You get better odds than that on a roulette wheel. I left headquarters and decided to walk around a little, see if I could coax up some kind of ideas to my next step. I went down to the waterfront and looked around. Nice view, no ideas. 
Then, as I was walking along a narrow, deserted street, I realized I had company. The shadow from the top of the building next to me ran along the middle of the street, and I could see a silhouette. I stopped. So did the shadow on top of the building. I started up again. So did the shadow. I started edging out away from the sidewalk for a look. The shadow raised its arms suddenly, and I ducked. A large building tile crashed to the sidewalk right where I'd been a second ago. I jumped for a rickety fire escape over my head and scrambled up to the roof. Nobody in sight. The roof stretching out in all directions. Warehouses, loading sheds. Whoever it was could have been a block away by now. Pretty ironic. Somebody trying to take me out of the ball game when I didn't even know which team had the ball. I went back to my hotel room. Two steps inside, I stopped cold. I'd caught a whiff of what smelled like a pretty expensive perfume. It certainly wasn't my shaving lotion. Hello, Johnny. Wow. Sheila. Yeah. Yeah, I remember now. You were wearing that perfume at the party last night. I've been waiting for you. Let's talk. Uh-huh. Any particular subject? Last night. What happened, oh, Johnny? Oh, give me that. You were there, too. You remember. I left before it happened. I think. What do you mean, you think? I guess I had a few too many last night. I don't remember some of it. No? You were making pretty good sense when I was talking to you. Well, after that, I mean. And you were with it enough to react when Forbes and Helen went out on the terrace together. Don't, Johnny. Did you do it? Oh, well, now, that's a switch. I'm not kidding, Johnny. You went to his room There's and... only one way you'd know that, Sheila. You were outside somewhere watching. Yes. After I left, I went around and back. And? Pretty soon, Helen came out of his room. She was carrying something. Oh, what? Don't worry, it wasn't the diamond. I was close enough to see it. Even if I hadn't been, I guess I'd have known. What do you mean? It was a small bottle of perfume. That was always the first step. Perfume. And always the same kind. Oh. That kind you're wearing. Yes. It's got a great name. Forever. What happened then? I walked around the garden a few minutes, trying to decide whether to have it out with Andy once and for all. I started back toward the terrace, then I saw you heading for his room, so I left. Sounds like Pat, Sheila. I said, don't, Johnny. If I'd done it, would I have told you I was out in the garden? You would if you were afraid somebody would seen you there and would tell me about it. Oh? And I suppose you figured out a motive for me, too. Couple of possibilities. You told me you'd been on a merry-go-round with Forbes for a long time. Maybe you couldn't stand the thought of anyone else getting aboard. Helen? That sort of thing's happened before, Johnny. Or maybe you figured the only way to get off that merry-go-round was to get rid of the guy who ran it. And the diamond. <laughs> that could buy you a lot of rides somewhere else. And I thought I was the cynic. You really have a nice opinion of people, haven't you? I'm afraid most of the people I get myself involved with on these jobs aren't very nice, you know. I didn't do it. All right, if you didn't, I'm sure Lieutenant Van Tyle will find out. I know, I'm on my way there now. Oh? He phoned me an hour ago. I thought I'd stop by and talk to you before I went. Johnny, you don't really think I could do a thing like that, do you? I guess not, Sheila. One thing I am interested in, though. What's that? You're finally off the merry-go-round. How does it feel? It isn't real. That merry-go-round was all I ever knew. She walked out of the room looking, well, empty is the best word I can think of. 
and I kept wondering what she'd been like before the merry-go-round. The rest of the day I spent composing soothing cablegrams in reply to angry ones from McNabb of Tri-Eastern Indemnity. The inquest was the following morning, but the verdict was no help. Death at the hands of person or persons unknown. Lieutenant Van Tyle told me that Forbes' sister, Agatha, had decided to shove off that afternoon on the Southern Empress. So I went down to the dock and aboard ship an hour before sailing, hoping I could get in a word with her. Farewell parties were clogging the lounges and the passageways. I waited outside Agatha Forbes' stateroom until she arrived. Miss Forbes? What? Oh, Mr. Dollar, isn't it? Yes, I didn't have a chance to meet you at your brother's party last night. He told me about you. It's too bad you weren't able to persuade him to put that, that diamond into safety sooner. Miss Forbes, I wonder if you'd answer a few I'm questions about... I'm very sorry, Mr. Dollar. I am completely exhausted. I don't wish to talk about it. But there are certain... I made my statement to the police. There's nothing further to add. About the diamond, There's however... There's been too much publicity about the entire tragedy as it is. I have no wish to add to it. I'm very sorry, Mr. Dollar. I shall be in New York in a month or so. Perhaps I shall have recovered from the experience sufficiently by then to talk about it intelligently. Only trouble is, by then the diamond could be in Timbuktu or... See you later, Miss Forbes. What snapped me into action was a glimpse of a girl at the end of the passageway just entering the lounge. I couldn't be sure, but it looked like Helen. By the time I reached the lounge, she was nowhere in sight. Then I saw another familiar face over in one corner. The mugshot I'd seen at police headquarters, Julio Bia, jewel thief. And now I had him pegged. He'd been the stocky bartender at Forbes' party, the guy who disappeared just before the murder. He spotted me and ducked into a passageway. I went after him. He turned a corner, and that was his mistake, blind alley. So I closed in on him. We circled. Now, I was at the blind end, and that was my mistake, because suddenly there was a knife in his hand. He held it low like an expert. Now, Mr. Dollar. Oh, you must have a trunk full of knives, Julio. All I need is one. Just like the one you slipped into Forbes, huh? And you! He lunged at me. I ducked to one side and kicked at the knife. He whirled and dove, but now I had it. I'm glad you had him sent ashore and locked up, Mr. Dollar. It may be you have found our killer. But not the diamond, Lieutenant. It was not on him, eh? Nowhere. And that can mean just one thing. Either Julio is working with somebody who's sailing on the Southern Empress, or he's after somebody aboard who has the diamond. In that case, Mr. Dollar... In that case, the Southern Empress is going to have another passenger, me. I checked with a purser who agreed to squeeze me aboard. Then I headed back to my hotel room to pick up my luggage. I could still smell Sheila's perfume in the room. Then as I bent over to lock my suitcase, I spotted a movement out of the corner of my eye. I tried to whirl, but too late. Something hard connected in the back of my left ear, and I went down. And out. I don't know how long it was before I came to. The room was swimming, but I managed to get to the window and looked out. Then I realized somebody had voted me the man they'd least like to take a cruise with. The Southern Empress was underway and steaming out of the harbor. Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, I take a trip, all right. A one-way trip. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Robert Reif. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Overall, a solid start to the serial. Uh, Johnny Dollar is a series that really should have done more international adventures. And so I'm thrilled that we're doing that in this episode. And of course, given Robert Reif's writing on Dangerous Assignment, this is definitely something he would be comfortable with. Since Reif is writing this, I am waiting for a character who is a snap salesman who is obsessed with playing Crazy Eights. But barring that, I, I think it's definitely an open question as to who took the diamond. I'm definitely intrigued by the mystery and eager to find out what happened because this is one where I don't remember how it turned out. Now, of course, the different writers have different styles and approaches, but it's kind of weird to go from a story where Johnny didn't eliminate the victim's uncle despite there being no reason to suspect him until the end of the case, to Johnny being willing to tell Sheila in episode two he doesn't think that she was capable of murder, despite her having been the long-term girlfriend of the victim who had repeatedly cheated on her. I suspect that the basis of Johnny's professional judgment in this case is that Sheila is significantly more pretty than Jed Bramler. I guess we'll find out in future episodes whether that was a solid basis for deduction. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we go to our listener survey, and... Uh, we, we start with a comment from Kenneth in uh, Georgia who writes, I found radio detective shows during the lockdown. I started with 21st Precinct. I found you when I'd listened to every episode, and I wanted more. I found you and the Johnny Dollar radio show. Now I've found your podcast. I love all the different shows. Well, thanks so much, Kenneth. And it's interesting to hear you reference finding the show during lockdown because there were some other growth things. For example, on uh, Patreon, we've been doing Patreon for about five years prior to the first COVID lockdown. And I kind of suspected we would end up losing Patreon supporters just to people running into financial difficulties. But... 
Patreon actually started to grow during that period. Uh, next, we've got a comment from uh, Rebecca who writes, Look forward to Johnny Dollar and Adam's breakdown of the episode. Uh, and she's writing from Delaware. And then Chris writes from Niagara. Been listening for a few years. Enjoy Adam's entertaining takes after each episode. And Dan in Beaverton, Oregon writes, love this collection. Well, thanks so much, Dan. I definitely appreciate it. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Rose. Rose has been one of our Patreon supporters since June, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Rose. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. We will be back on Friday with the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... Suddenly, the salon door swings open. A short, heavy-set gent stands there with a mask over his face, a forty-five in one hand, a small satchel in the other. Hi, What are you doing? What's the... Shut up, sister. This is a heist. A heist? What is it he's talking? A stick-up, Yolanda. A hold-up. There's the bag, gents. Let's have your wallets, watches, rings, anything that'll bring a buck. Dump in there. Now, just a minute, sport. Let's get with it. I ain't got all night. You first, Mac. Sure. Only call me George, huh? That's me, sport. George! Oh! Okay, George, oh. get up. And don't try that again, see? Oh, I don't try it. Next one of you gents who gets funny winds up with a slug in him. Now, come on. Shell out. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.